Welcome everybody out there to Raising Kings, episode 30. We have Connie on the mic. We're going to talk about caregiving and living a semi-normal life. Welcome back, Connie. We missed you. You were gone so long. Oh, thank you. It's good to be back. So give us your experiences about caregiving and living a semi-normal life back in the day, back when you were taking care of your dad. Um, well, I, I had moved home after my mom died and, uh, my dad wasn't, he had gone through some cancer stuff, but he wasn't sick. He was still working and everything. And then, um, about, I don't know, maybe a year to two years into living with him, he had a stroke and then went downhill. And, um, I always had jobs that, um... I mean, I commuted to town because we lived at, we live out east, and I commuted to town. And um, when after he had a stroke, it was interesting. Um, I got laid off from the job I had in town, and I just figured, well, this is good time. I'll collect unemployment, and I can stay home with him. Wow! Yeah, so I did that for a couple of months, and um, and then I found a new job. But um, during that time, I did ask for help. I had one of my aunts come out, his brothers and sisters, they're a very close family. And, um, so I had an aunt and uncle come out once at one time, my aunt stayed for a whole month when I was working. And so she was able to take him to his therapy. So when he got back on the new job. Yeah. So, um, she was able to take him and to therapy and stuff. And I have four sisters too. And, um, I had once my one sister from Steamboat would come down almost every weekend to help out, and then I my one sister in Denver would come about once a week to help out too, to so I could go to work. And luckily, the new job I got, um, I think everybody's kind of in the same boat, so my boss kind of understood, wow. and she was like, "Just come in whenever you can." and you know, if I had to be late or whatever, they were very accommodating. So, so it's that's almost like a perfect storm. Yeah. And so that was very fortunate for me because I don't, not everybody has that ability to take off from work and drop everything. And, and, um, I just think I had a boss that was going, she had an older mother too that she was taking care of and she just kind of understood, I think. So it just, um, for me, it kind of worked out. Um, but it was, it's very stressful. It, uh, um, consumed my life because I'm always trying to keep on top of his appointments and therapies and medications and, you know, re- doing research to see if the, the, um, what the doctor suggested was, you know, if I agreed with. One time I went to, he was in the hospital because he would, after a stroke, I would say he'd have to go to the hospital every six months because he'd get low on um, iron. And they would always do like an iron infusion or something. And then that would boost him up and then he'd be okay. But um, one time, oh, I think when we didn't know what was going on with the stroke, I got in a fight with the doctor. And Not my, a fist fight. No, but okay. it yelled at him. I was mad because, you know, they didn't diagnose the stroke right away and... And I didn't get how they could have missed it. And, oh, I wanted him to, I wanted them to do a feeding tube because my dad had stomach cancer and they removed his stomach. And this is before the stroke. And so he would be declining 
and I had to fight for them to put a feeding tube in him. And um, the doctor was like, well, that's his end life. And my dad ended up living like two years after that. So he was wrong. So it made me, we got in a fight. My dad was in the hospital bed. He's like, calm down, calm down. He was like being the mediator between me and the doctor. So the one you're caregiving is being the mediator. <laughs> so at what point, and I think that point comes really fast, that you switch from caregiver to patient advocate. You know, you really have to stay on top of things. You know, I, you really I think take it's care the of same t- it's, Yeah, it's, it's almost same thing. Yeah, you can't, you're not one or the other. It's all part of caregiving. But yeah, being a patient advocate for sure. Because it goes back and forth. So when did you, because I've been through caregiving, when did you realize that everything wasn't going to be ABC? You know, you had to leave room for gray areas. Because if not, you'll go crazy. You're an ABC kind of girl, kind of, because I know you. You yeah. want ABCD to follow, but sometimes it doesn't follow. Yeah, it is hard to go with the flow and let things go. I think some, you know, there was a situation with my dad and I. It's where, because I got to the point where I was, I was being too controlling. And, and he got mad at me and he said, I'm not a child. Because I would be like, are you doing this? Are you eating this? You shouldn't drink that. You know, and I guess I was treating him like a child or like he wasn't an adult. And um, we so got. did no- you have to back off a little bit? Well, he ran away. <laughs> he that's, took that's, off. That's, that's, that's called a total back off when, they, when, the, when the patient runs away. <laughs> he ran away. He went to New Mexico to my aunt's ranch. And it's a pretty rural area and he drove himself i mean he was driving kind of like six hours well it's five a hours. five hour drive it probably took him eight but um so but your patient ran away is a four-wheel drive my aunt called me when he got there and she's like <laughs> connie your dad's here and i'm like what because <laughs> we got in a huge fight about the, me treating him like a child so i think that's hard because I have a lot of friends going through the same thing, and I think that's yep. hard because we dictate everything that they do. Like if they have diabetes, should you be eating that? Should yeah. you be doing that? But yeah. it's their life. But, you know, caregiving is a dynamic thing. You know, it can't be static. If you're static, then then, then it's not going to work because yeah. you're just going to be frustrated. But you realize that is dynamic, and you realize that there's gray areas. I think it's going to be a lot better for you. But I've never lost a patient. <laughs> Lost as in like leave, gone, zippo. So when you went down there, so what happened when you went down there? You went down there to pick up your dad and No, well he drove back. <laughs> Might as well at this <laughs> he point. He had the vehicle. Um he drove back. I met him in Pueblo. Um you know, I don't know what good that was, but um I met him in Pueblo. I had a friend take me down to Pueblo, and then I drove back. And then we were all fine. We made up after yeah. that because he got on the phone when my aunt called, and I just started crying. And I was just – and I think he felt bad. You know how you men are with crying women. Oh, yeah. We love crying women. Yeah. I just love to see him cry all the time. We just asked Laura, but that's a different story. But that's a sign, I think, about you know how far I had gotten that you know when he did that, how much that emotion. And I think we – you tend to hold in a lot of things, and you don't take care of yourself. Looking back, you know. What would you change looking back? Well, I'd probably try and take better care of myself. Because I've, since, you know, my dad's passed away, and it's been, gosh, 12 years. 
Anyway, I lost like 40 pounds afterwards. So mm-hmm. that says something. I probably wasn't eating good. I wasn't exercising. I was, I was so honed in on his stuff. So I would do more self-care, probably meditation maybe, just to get step away and a- ask for help when you need it and um and let them do what they want to do. Yeah. Cuz my dad he was a beer drinker and I tell on his deathbed cuz he hadn't drank and cuz you know I was like you shouldn't drink you don't have a stomach to metabolize it. Mm-hmm. And um when the priest came to give him his last rites he the priest said can I get you anything and he's my dad's like a beer. I'm like, you know, still. <laughs> What was it going to hurt at that yeah. point? Yeah. Let them do what they want. Let them be happy. Let them have ice cream if they, you know, if they have some other condition that they can't, they're not supposed to eat sugar. Yeah. Let them indulge every once in a while. But it's, might as well enjoy the little things in life, right? But it's almost like caregiving is a never-ending learning process that you're continually learning and you're continuing, you know, it's almost like a computer, you know, it's almost like artificial intelligence that you learn and you make mistakes and making mistakes is a big part of it too. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to make mistakes and piss them off and they're going to piss you off. So it's almost like a never ending good versus evil that just goes and goes and goes. Because my mom, you know, when, when she went from the hospital to the rehab, you know, she wasn't eating and things like that. And and she may be treated like a kid, but we had to get out of that mode because I knew that mode can stay too long because she, she rebelled and it, it wouldn't be the best thing for her. But, man, it's a. It's a learning process. So then how did you incorporate life, you know, living? Did you just live for your dad? Did you have outside life? Did you see friends? I had an outside life to a degree. I didn't date much. I dated a couple of guys um, that knew the family and knew what was going on. So it wasn't uncomfortable. But I think if I was, I don't think I would have been able to date somebody new and explain all that. Well, I don't want to say it's baggage, but my life yeah. circumstance at the time. But um, but I had a social life. I, you know, I'd gone on vacation and... Because um, you had friends. family to back you up too, so that was yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. So I did have... And I think, I think that's one of the times I asked my aunt to come out and stay for a month was when I went on vacation. So you were taking care of yourself. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, there were parts that I would do, but um, I was always nervous, and I would write down a list of everything they needed to do, day-by-day schedule. Did you and, call every day? Call back every day? Uh, well, not while I was on vacation, because I okay. think I went to Europe, but but yeah. Then it's just, let go. Let go and trust that people are gonna do, just leave them the basics. If yeah. this happens, you know, the doctor's information, whatever. I'm on a uh, another uh, Facebook group about caregiving, and Man, a lot of people on there don't have other people to help them. And their only outlet is the actual Facebook group where they talk about what's going on and things like that. But, man, you know, some of us are blessed and some of us are not as blessed. That's but true. we're all blessed to be able to take care of our kids, parents, friends, and, and uh, things like that. Um, I had a cousin who was taking care of her parents, too. And, and we were talking one time when I was with my dad and... You know, just kind of venting, and she she was so positive, and so I've always tried to take this with me. And she was like, "It's an honor for me to take care of my parents." Yeah. Even though they piss you off. Yeah, I kind of, and, and I kind of look yeah. at it as it's a, almost as like a, a repayment. Yeah, it's almost like a repayment. Bank is 
has been cashed. And so you give your portion back to them and then you hope that your kids, David Dawson Tion, will uh, take care of you in the end from the way that you treat your parents. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said about example and what kids see you do as, you yeah. know, with your parents and how you treat them. And I do have, because uh, I don't have any kids, so I have talked to my nieces and nephews. Yeah, that's why you treat them so good. Yeah, yeah. so they take care of me. Yeah, I'm going to go to soccer games and see you guys. Yeah. <laughs> take care of auntie. Auntie, yeah. please. Um, so back to that semi-normal life, even without taking care of, even without caregiving, I think is a semi-normal life because, you know, no one knows what normal is. But uh, when my mom was sick, I still worked. Thinking about that now and looking back, it's almost like a blur. It was only a month and a half of time between the hospital, getting sick the hospital and rehab and back to where she is now. But there's such a blur. And, and I don't remember a whole lot where I was or what I did or how I got there, but you just do it because caregiving once your dad got sick was trial by fire. Once you get it, you know, there's and no it's books. Kind of autopilot. Yeah. Too. Yeah. There's no books to read. No, there's almost no preparing because mm-hmm. you don't see it coming. You know, you don't see the stroke coming. You don't see the high 750 sugar level, things like that, but you, but you just have to do it. I had a good, um, I was, you made me think of a friend of mine, Two that saw outside going in, she asked me to go out to lunch one day and, and she just thought, and she told me that she thought I was doing too much, that I needed to take care of myself and, uh, you know, all the stuff I was doing for my dad at the time. And, you know, at the time I didn't heed her advice. You know, I didn't feel like there was anything else. I, what I was doing, I felt was sufficient in my life and, appropriate and I didn't need to have a lot of other outlets but um looking back looking back you you need to have some outlets and hobbies and um because when my dad did die uh I was at a loss like what do I do now who am I going to take care of you know you kind of are still in that mode and it's kind of almost like a divorce you know when the kids leave the house and you get divorced there's nothing crickets like whoa yeah. I mean, yeah. I know it's part of the grieving process, too, but it is kind of like I felt a little what was my value now. And if you have other hobbies and things to fulfill your life, maybe I wouldn't have felt that way. You know, I was uh, thinking the other day, and the one movie comes to mind, Throw Mama from the Train. Oh, yeah. And uh, that was, that was kind of me and my mom's relationship while she was sick. And I really couldn't throw her from the train, <laughs> even though I wanted to a couple of times. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Owen! <laughs> <laughs> but I am so blessed to have her here. And <laughs> Owen! Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, honesty's good on the podcast, isn't it? Yes, it yeah, is. Well, there you go. But, yeah, throw mom from the train was like, was like, it was my mantra, but it was like, hey, you know, that movie was pretty funny. But I have a chance just to help my mom back to health and not throw her from the train. That's nice of you. <laughs> because I throw her from this the train. Is... Maybe my kids will throw me from the train. Yeah. So I don't want them to do that to me. This is David's rehab. <laughs> <laughs> Learn to walk. Oh, man. But, but the frustration is, 
I can't even explain it. You know, you just have to go through it. And it's a, it's almost like an inner healing process that you go through. But like you said, that you're blessed to be able to be a caregiver. And, and in my uh, circumstance, she was able to get back the specs. And, but I know eventually it's going to come again. Next time I'll be more ready. And, you know, I won't be totally ready, but it, it, it just won't be just like a wham. Yeah. There's a lot of resources out there, too. And I did seek out things to not only learn about what he was going through, but um, what, uh, you know, my responsibilities and what I was going through. And at the time when my dad was alive, I went, we did the senior center a lot over there off of mm-hmm. Hancock. And they had like caregiving stuff and. There was a lot of resources at the time. People don't realize that a lot of Medicaid pays for home health care. Like they'll pay for someone to come clean your house for an hour or two a week. They'll pay for home health nurses, uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, because we had all that except the house cleaner. We had the uh, home health care nurse. We had the OT, the PT, and that lasted for a couple of weeks. And even if your mom or whoever you're taking care of doesn't get better that fast, you can go through the, your primary care physician and get that extended. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's, yeah, you need help navigating through that insurance stuff. Cause oh, my man. dad was, he wasn't Medicare age yet when he got sick. And, uh, and I had looked into the Medicaid thing as far as like me getting paid to be mm-hmm. his home provider. But he, we didn't qualify because of the whole financial. You have to qualify think. financially. You know, when she was in the hospital, the social worker is the one that uh, provides either home health care or whatever as they get out. And she couldn't walk. And they're going to send her home. And she, they're going to provide her home health care nurse. I said, but she can't answer the door. She can't get to the door. So then we had to go in rehab hospital, stay for about two and a half weeks, and things went well. But... Like you said, you got to be caregiver slash patient advocate. They want you in, they want you out. Mm-hmm. Now, how long was he in the hospital after the stroke? After the stroke, he was probably he was probably in there a good, um, gosh, uh, it was more than two weeks, but maybe a month. So he would they kind of and, stabilized and yeah, ready and to they go home. put him upstairs because he was at Memorial, and at the time I think it was on the eighth floor, the rehab kind of portion before. The, mm-hmm. Before they send you to rehab, but they never sent him to an outside rehab facility because of the home situation. Because my sister, you know, we could, you could do somebody it. was always able to be home with him and get him to his appointments. Because um, that was something to consider, too, because of where we live. Because um, I don't think we had home health come out there. I think we just brought him in to do OT, PT, and okay. So they did do some services for him. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, cool. he totally did all that stuff. But yeah, it's just um, it's about balance. I mean, you hear this in all aspects of our lives. It's about balance to keep yourself san- sane and and keep them sane and you oh, know yes. the respect and remember. It's just you need to get away every once in a while. When you consume yourself with everything, their health and their their schedules, and you don't do anything for yourself. And I see this, I saw it looking back now in myself, and I see it in other friends that I that are going through it now, and how they're all consumed. I think it, you get all consumed, then, then you dislike that person. Yeah, you get you, resentful. Yeah, you're resentful, because you don't have any time to yourself. All right, Connie, I'll keep this short. That was a good one. 
wow. Just make sure my mom doesn't drive away. <laughs> be okay. She drives away. I know something's wrong. I did something very, very Don't wrong. Let her run away. Yeah. Oh. Or even get on the train. But that's a different story. <laughs> Right. You better not get on the train. <laughs> no, her. we don't get on the train together. Yes. 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 <laughs> All right, Connie. One thing, Connie, for coming by and everybody out there. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.